0: My name is Nick Samios, I'm the fund manager and director here at Hermes Capital, and it is my pleasure to be your host uh, for Lunch Money. 2020, what a year it's been. Um, one thing 2020 has brought us, in this whole COVID crisis, it's alerted us to two strategic challenges that Australia faces. Uh, one is a depleted manufacturing sector. If you cast your mind back to March, and we were all, all of a sudden the the shelves are empty of hand sanitizer and PPE, and uh, we, we we thought to ourselves, what the devil have we done to our manufacturing sector? Um, and so that's become a, a challenge that's that's on the minds of, of everyone, really. You know, how do we bring back our manufacturing? And another challenge um, is another challenge that's sort of been alerted through this through the year is that um, our two uh, two biggest trading partners are all of a sudden uh, at each other's throats. And um, so this has created uh, a a regional defense uh, challenge for Australia. All of a sudden we're concerned about uh, what the Prime Minister describes uh, as, as a region that's becoming more chaotic and more dangerous. Um, so today we're asking the question, what does it take to be a successful Australian manufacturing business in the year 2020? And we have two uh, wonderful guests for you uh, to talk to talk through um, and, and try and see if we can get to the heart of, uh, of how to do that. Our first guest is Todd Older. G'day, Todd. How are you going?
1: Nick, very well. Thanks for inviting me.
0: You're very welcome. So, Todd, you're the CEO and managing director of uh, Orbital Corporation. I think you've been there since about 2016, when you went across uh, as the CFO. Um, uh, before, I, 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 we should say that uh, Orbital Corporation uh, is a business that um, uh, designs and manufactures. Uh, you call them propulsion systems for uh, for um, tactical drones. Uh, the rest of us would, would say engines, I suppose. Um, but that's that's uh, that's that's what Orbital does. Um, and uh, you announced your results today, which which uh, which were fantastic. So congratulations, uh, congratulations on that. Um, what what is it that keeps you busy these these past uh, couple of weeks as the CEO of, of Orbital?
1: Uh, Nick, as you know, through Following Orbital, we uh, have a uh, a long-term supply agreement with Boeing in situ to uh, develop uh, and uh, uh, ship engines across all their tactical drones, their military tactical drones. So what's keeping us busy is we have two of those engine models in production now, Um, but we're working on our third new engine model to bring into production. Uh, Also, we made some announcements earlier this year uh, with two additional customers, a large Singapore defence organisation, and also with Northrop Grumman, a billion-dollar US tier one military company. So uh, what's keeping us busy is uh, two engines in production, a third one in development, and two new customer uh, opportunities.
0: And uh, all of that, um, uh, the development is done in Australia, like that's done from your offices in Perth in terms of design. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's that's correct. The uh, the significant portion of our research and development team, our engineers, the new product development, that's done in Perth. And,
0: and has um has COVID affected you uh, at all?
1: Uh, obviously, there are impacts. Uh, I'm definitely not on a plane as, uh, at all, uh, yeah. and so I used to blame more. We've definitely had to strengthen our supply chain team. So, um, uh, and also look at. Uh, uh, more inventive logistic channels as well to make sure we can get our product uh, from here in Australia across to the US.
0: Were, were you travelling frequently to the US? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I myself was travelling frequently to Perth, uh, so I wasn't an international traveller, but it's certainly, uh, it, certainly it, it, is, it is more challenging. I don't know about you, but I, I'm old school and I do like to sit across uh, a table from someone and it is challenging trying to deal with that. Is that something that you found as well?
1: We're managing as everyone's managing through video conferencing, so there is a lot more, you know, sort of early morning and late night calls with the US. Yeah. Um, But as our customers are having to manage exactly the same, so we find everyone's in the same boat. So uh, so far, not any significant issues for us.
0: But you started. You started at 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 Orbital as CFO. Was that a deliberate? Was that deliberate? You're always going to become CEO because I know that it was a smooth transition. Uh, from what I've read.
1: That that was the plan, yes. Um, And uh, the reason for joining uh, Orbital was the wonderful opportunity that uh, I thought uh, Orbital had. Um, uh, I am one that likes to keep a fairly uh, steely focus on the opportunity. So uh, one of the first jobs uh, that we undertook here was uh, really the concentration on what we thought was our competitive advantage in this business, and that is building the very best engines for the military drone market. And so we sold off or shut down any other interests and made sure that everyone in this organisation was focused on one thing, and that was building the very best engines for this uh, exciting market.
0: Yeah, well, that's fantastic. We're going to park you back in the waiting room there while we introduce our next guest, Jason Skinner. G'day, Jason. How are you going? Good. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me today. You're very, very welcome. Uh, Jason is a corporate advisor and investor, and he's a director of, uh, of JP Equity over, uh, over in Perth. Um, and you have been very busy during this COVID period.
2: Yeah, we've, we've had a busy year for JP. Um, we've we've uh, successfully list, listed two companies on the stock exchange, as well as a handful of listed placements we've raised money for.
0: They've both been pretty successful.
2: Yeah, the, both, um, uh, so in ter- telecare, we actually raised the money in the middle of, middle of March, which was pretty tough time to raise money. But, uh, in telecare is in aged care and it, it, uh, has an artificial intelligence component, which definitely helped, um, uh, COVID's actually been quite, quite good for, for in telecare. Um, so that came on in May and, uh, within two days, it was three times the issue price, um, and it's still sitting, sitting close to, uh, uh, two times the issue price of the IPO. We, we did dy- dynamic, um, dynamic drilling blast DDB, uh, what, probably about a month now, two months ago. Pretty much straight after IntelliCare. That was, uh, also successful. Um, it, it, it came on, um, at 150% plus. And it's it's still trading above uh, the same same kind of levels as IntelliCare, the point, uh, about forty cents.
0: I have to say it's quite amazing. I mean IntelliCare, if you sort of wanted to design a product for for COVID, you know something you know we've got concerns about aged care and you know you, you, the the timing was fantastic. And then of course mining services is uh, is booming over in WA, and so so uh, that your uh, orbital age. Uh, uh, your uh, your drilling business there. The timing's fantastic for that as well.
2: Yeah, look, um, it's, it's uh, timing as well. It's worked well as well as the we've had a bit of a rally last last few months. So the stock market's been pretty pretty crazy. Uh, there's yeah. been a lot of money flying in, and it's uh, it's it's aided well with with uh, the IPOs as well as the placements have done.
0: I'm told uh, we had um Brian Hughes on last week um uh who's chairman of Pitcher Partners and uh, he was saying that I uh, I can't remember if he was saying WA or just Australia generally has had the second the second highest number of IPOs uh during during covid um well, why do you think that is
2: Well being being WA with we very mining focused and with the gold price where it is and other commodities uh prices are pretty pretty high at the moment um it definitely gets gets wa moving um there's i guess covid has been the borders being shut has been uh uh, even though it's uh, not very convenient um having all having mining booming along um it's uh, some of the businesses here are doing better than they've ever done um Because the money can't leave the state. Essentially, everyone's travelling, everyone's buying holiday homes or, um, or or buying caravans, boats, whatever they can do to 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 get out of Perth. So it's actually been pretty good for, for WA.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to get myself certified uh, to drive one of those big yellow Tonka trucks uh, <laughs> so that I can be like an essential worker. Uh, just to get in because uh, yeah you, you're keeping us all out that's uh, that's for sure which is good for you um, but I, I would love to get over there all right listen we'll uh, we will bring um, we'll bring back Todd um, and we might just uh, we might just show uh, a clip of some of these drones in action. That's. Uh, that, that, I tell you what, you're, 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 it's, it looks like a lot of fun, I have to say that much, Todd, that, that's for sure. Um, uh, how, how much of the, is it, it's, it is just the engine that that, that you guys are, are putting into those drones or, or are you designing the drones as well?
1: No, we don't design the drones, but uh, yeah. we do a little more than the engine. So we yeah. uh, package the engine into the back half of the drones, that includes the uh, fuselage, the fuel tank, power supply. Uh, so really, is four bolts and one connector. Is yeah. the back half of the drone that connects to the front half, yeah. which is the wings, and then all the uh, all the electronic payloads they use for surveillance.
0: And I I imagine that you can't design the drone without you'd have to. They'd be constant back and to and froing, and surely, between uh, whoever's designing the fuselage and uh, etc. The frame. The airframe, is that what you call them for, for drones? Um,
1: uh, look, look, a, a, absolutely. It's one of our key strategies is to get very, very close with our customers. Our CTO is actually uh, based in the US and participates in that future product development with uh, with those key customers.
0: Okay, well, let's just take a step back. Uh, I mean, I, I uh, when I was a small child, and it must have been in the early 70s, I had a book on cars, and the very last page on the book uh, had the orbital engine and so I've always had, uh, I've always had the orbital engine in my mind. Now, of course, the business has transformed, uh, has transformed over the years. Um, I mean, you describe the business today. You, well, you, some people would describe the business model today as being a manufacturer of drone propulsion systems. I mean, historically, the business has been an inventor. You know, you've you've created technologies and sold those technologies off for, for others to commercialise. How do you define the business today?
1: I think you noted that I sort of started here in 20, late 2016 so, uh, and then was appointed as the MD in 2017. Um, I think one of the key focus areas for us was transitioning or augmenting the uh, clever engineering capability this business had. But augment that with some manufacturing expertise because, as I said before, we wanted to uh, capture more of the value rather than just engineering jobs. We wanted to capture the value of some very special products that we can make um, and so thereby needed to transition into a manufacturer. So so right. we're now no longer just a clever engineering house, yep. but we do that full product lifecycle where we design, develop and now manufacture and ship our products uh, to some of the biggest you know US defense companies
0: so you 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 you're sort of uh, cap- capturing uh, more downstream i suppose you're moving along the al- along the process from capturing value in manufacturing as well as just uh, just the design
2: yeah and that, that
1: that's correct and we we'd say we'd almost do go reach beyond the advanced manufacturing so we we yeah. build a complete subsystem so um, it's putting together a number of different components and uh, th- there we have what we build. So there's the, the yep. back half of that drone. And uh, right. what, why it's so special is it lasts, you know, 10 times as long as our uh, closest competitor and starts straight away and it's one of the most reliable engines now that these tactical drones are. Uh, commercially and strategically, uh, significantly more valuable. They're uh, no longer tolerable for an unreliable engine. So that's the sort of the problem that we solve with our technology and our skill set.
0: Yeah, I guess uh, because of their military application, these things have to uh, have to work first time every time, don't they?
1: Well, oh, that, that's correct. Uh, some of these yeah. drones are worth somewhere between two to four million dollars each. So, yeah. you're yeah. no longer tolerated to lose them.
0: Yeah, Jason. From your point of view, I mean, obviously you're you're in the capital markets and you do you know you're a corporate advisor. I mean, do you see? Are there many other businesses that you see that that are sort of in this, in this sort of space of designing and and uh, in terms of innovation? Um, the, there's not many uh, manufacturing businesses
2: in WA that uh, that isn't isn't already worth a few hundred million. Uh, market cap or even up to a billion like Aust- Austral. Um, the, that, what was appealing for Orbital is that, uh, for us looking into Orbital was that every so often you come across a gem that's, that's hidden away in WA being the other side of the world, really, um, in terms of financial markets. Uh, it was, it every so often you come across, um, a company that's kind of, uh, under the radar and the fact that, uh, Orbital has their own, um, that has all the manufacturing facilities from, from from I guess, the old Orbital um, from Ralph Starrett's days. It uh, was, was very appealing. Uh, not nor- We don't normally get involved in companies with manufacturing because of the upfront of cost and the capex involved in building the facilities. But I guess uh, Orbital was unique that they've already had a massive head start because they already have those facilities.
0: And Todd, you've got facilities. Uh, in, in WA, you've also got facilities in, in Drone Valley in, uh, in, in the US?
1: Yeah, we do. In, in 2018, we opened up the US facility. Uh, it's in Hood River, Oregon, so just uh, sort of about an hour and a half um, east of Portland. Um, and uh, we manufacture uh, one engine here in Australia. We manufacture one engine from the US facility and as I said before, the home of our cTO so to be close to Boeing and situ is over in that u s facility um, and we do most of the design and development work however back here in perth
0: so I'm interested that um, you've got uh, a, a couple of areas you know, obviously there's the, there's the design of the of the of, of the engine itself, but also you've got the manufacturing process as well uh, i guess uh, be, because i i, I um you know, that scholars say, and I will flash up uh, on the replay of here, I'll, I'll cite my source, um, that for a business to excel, it needs to excel in one of three value disciplines. You know, one of those is customer intimacy, so being close to the customer. You know, one is operational excellence, and the example there is McDonald's and, and making a cheaper hamburger. Uh, I guess your value discipline is obviously product leadership in terms of innovation. Um i guess um, i've got two questions you know one is how do you given that it is all about product leadership how do you stay ahead of the curve how do you how do you make sure that your competitors aren't leapfrogging you is is my first question and my, i guess my follow up question to that is you know everybody talks about the high costs of manufacturing in australia um there must be there must be some price trade off
2: yeah
1: so 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 the first thing is how do we stay ahead of our competition well fortunately we have some uh, ip technology protected by a number of patents um but look um, we dedicate funding to ongoing r and d and that's the first step um, but you need to also dedicate two other areas, and one is making sure that you're recruiting and developing the very best people in your industry. Uh, it's all well and good to dedicate some money, but you need the very best people. So we are fairly uh, competitive or aggressive with attracting those uh, those best candidates. Uh, and the third one is, uh, as day-to-day management goes, we have to be disciplined to carve out time. Uh, to continue to work on that product development. So we've got three things we we, we have the capital, uh, we attract the best people, and we have the discipline to um, make sure that those people are getting the time to work on sort of innovative uh, innovative products. So that's how we try to keep ahead of the head of the curve. Um, and uh, the uh, second question uh, was um, what was the second question, Nick?
0: The second question was, uh, you know, obviously, if, if you've got the best product in the market, mm. uh, you don't, you know, you don't need to be the cheapest. But by the same token, uh, you know, you have to keep some some uh, some rein on costs. And yep. Everybody, when people talk about manufacturing and why, yep. you know, why yep. Australia is bereft of manufacturing now, it's all because yep. of our high manufacturing costs. So how do you how do you yep. sort of manage that balance?
1: Yeah, I mean. Uh, Everyone needs to be focused on cost, but uh, one of the, the attractions uh, we had to this industry, and particularly with what, what we have, is as I was describing before, a full subsystem. So we have something that's quite special, quite unique, and is uh, significantly better than our closest competition. So therefore, there is a bit of a premium for that product that uh, that we're able to uh, that we're able to price it at. However, um, you know, we're working with large uh, customers like Boeing and We're working with Northrop Grumman. Um, so we need to be cost conscious. Um, so yeah, we, we're prudent with uh, how we price our product. Uh, but uh, as I said before, it is a premium product. So there is a certain value that we can, uh, we can ascribe to that.
0: Um, Jason, I wonder if you can tell me, uh, as a corporate advisor, obviously, you know, you're, you're regularly involved in capital raising and IPOs uh, for all sorts of businesses. I mean, we saw a couple of the ones that you've been involved in more recently. Um, what, what do the capital markets want to hear when you're pitching a manufacturing business?
2: I, I guess it's one thing to manufacture, but the, the next thing is having someone yep. to sell to. Um, the benefit of what, what was, what, again, what was appealing about Orbital was that they've already, they've, they've already got a long-term agreement with, with situ who's a subsidiary to, uh, to Boeing, um, which is, was, is, what well, is worth $350 million. So, um, that, uh, there's, one thing about, about building, man, uh, or facilities, but then having someone to sell, sell to and already having someone there that, that that's, that's going to buy it. This is going, going to buy your product is is a massive pick
0: so some sort of uh, locked in sales going forward uh, I guess is what is what you're saying
2: yeah like it's it's the good old um uh, you don't want to be building um, a solution for a problem that doesn't exist
0: Um, I guess when you when you're pitching a mining company for example you know you've got your jork and your proved and probable reserves and all that sort of stuff and everybody knows you know, assuming you can get it out of the ground at the right price, you know there's a market, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But uh, I, I, yeah, so so you're saying it's it's all about uh, forward uh, forward sales, Todd. When when COVID nineteen hit. And we were looking at those shortages you know you'd go to the everyone was panicking you know there there wasn't any uh, hand sanitizer there weren't face masks Uh, you know we've sent it all off to china um and then all of a sudden as i said everybody's gone my god you know what have we done over the last 20 or 30 years we've denuded this country of a capability for manufacturing um how would you go about rekindling manufacturing in this country
1: well uh, What I look at is, first and foremost, a a cohesive strategy, something that was uh, focused on um, competitive advantage in this country uh, and or of strategic importance. So uh, I think we are pleased that um, defence is getting that focus, uh, that defence has laid out its plans over the next number of years. Uh, has laid out that uh, i think it 's two hundred and seventy odd billion that we uh, will be investing in defence and two billion in in unmanned systems of which we are um, happy to support. Uh, right. I note that we have forty uh, percent currently of our supply chain in australia right and as we grow, uh, we look to develop our supply chain and bring that supply chain up to uh, volume capability, but also quality capability that come and supply the aerospace and defence sector. So um, so all I'd say is cohesive uh, strategy, competitive advantage, uh, strategic and or strategically important. We're happy that uh, one of those industries is the defence sector and we'll do our part to uh, assist the program.
0: That's very interesting. You said 40% of your supply chain is, is Australian? Yes. And, and to what extent, so some of that uh, obviously there's, is a cost factor, but there must also be a strategic factor as well.
1: It, absolutely, and that's where we'll look at definitely in COVID-19 as everyone is looking at their mm-hmm. supply chains and uh, where we can look to bring stuff onshore or, uh, and, and when I say 40%, we have roughly 40% here, we have 40% in the US and 20% in Europe is roughly the, the makeup of our supply chain. Right. Um, obviously managing stuff closer to home is easier. Um, So where we can, uh, we'll look to um, promote uh, the Australian industry and Australian supply chain.
0: I've got a question here from one of our viewers. It looks like a very technical question to me, but I'll throw it to you anyway, Todd. Are you developing an engine for the RQ21A Blackjack?
1: Yes. So uh, in short, the, the second engine that we announced was into production will fit that vehicle.
0: And that does that open up? Uh, that opens up more revenue streams. Is that for Boeing? What's the
1: what's the that, that engine that? is that engine is already in production.
0: Um, um, Jason, what what do you think? Uh, what do you think we need to be doing uh, to encourage manufacturing in this country? I, I guess uh, you know, as I say, someone you know, people come to you with all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful uh, pitches for capital raising. I guess uh, what what do you think it is that needs needs to be done to help make manufacturing more successful?
2: I guess uh, i will second todd's point about competitive advantage the uh, there's like australia's high labor costs make it difficult to manufacture here um however if you're in a space where you can uh, um firstly get support from the government um if, if you need as well as uh be the best at what you do um then it's all irrelevant the labour costs because you can charge a premium and you, you can, you, you can really, uh, uh, succeed in, in Australia manufacturing. And I, I guess, I, I, I guess defence is one of those sectors where you, where you, where you can, um, uh, there, there is a finite amount of groups that, that are, that have contracts with, say, the, U, the US government, the US defence. Um, which can get you that premium and um, that because they because they spend, they spend the
0: most. It's interesting. I mean, we talk about competitive advantage. I, I guess I go back to earlier. I was saying that you know McDonald's is competitive because they make you know it's reliable, it's like a production machine. You know exactly what you're getting. it's at a certain price point. You know, probably we don't want our manufacturing sector to be the McDonald's of, of the world because we don't necessarily have that low cost base. Um, and, you know, I, I guess what we you know, what you've both said is it's at the premium end, at the value add, uh, you know. Uh, so, so you know, with, with that in mind, and I'll throw back to you, Todd, I mean, are there obstacles the government needs to remove? Is it a matter of removing obstacles? Is it a matter of, you know, introducing certain incentives? Um, is it is it something to do with the supply chain?
1: Yeah, so, so first of all, you're right. We're an advanced manufacturer, so we need a, um, a high skill set. So uh, we work with the universities, you know, across Australia looking for the very best sort of engineering talent. Uh, we also work where uh, possible through TAFE colleges for various technicians for build rooms, et cetera. So we're happy to promote that. As I said before, that we work with our supply chain to look at developing the supply chain. We'll go and support uh, support our business as it grows. Um, What can the the government does? Well, we we were thrilled to have Linda Reynolds, uh, so Senator uh, Reynolds, through the facility uh, some weeks ago on the back of the announcement of the 2020 defence paper. Um, And um, through Senator Reynolds, we're happy to uh, be afforded uh, some of the connections through either the Australian government uh, or other networks that you know, will help us uh, develop the supply chains we need, and will help us uh, with various connections at an international level uh, to promote our product.
0: When you when you when you say develop the supply chains, what what does that mean? Where the rubber hits the road?
1: So supply chain. Uh, so so a particular supplier for us will need to start at a particular volume when we were a certain size. But as we grow through. Uh, and bring more engines onto production, that particular supplier will need to supply a higher volume. So, we'll look to help or develop that supplier, achieve that. In addition to that, obviously, the supplier is uh, providing us with some generally advanced manufacturing component. So, we will need to ensure that when uh, when we receive that, uh, we get a high-yield product, so it doesn't affect our production. So, we will also help uh, in areas that we can on um, developing that supplier so they can meet the various standards of aerospace manufacture.
0: You know, years ago, I, I know Ireland, I'm, my wife is, is Irish, and I know mm-hmm. that in Ireland... Uh you know they did invest very heavily in in education, particularly in the tech sector. And you know you had uh, Apple and and all these uh, companies relocating to Ireland in 1990 because they, in the 90s, I should say, because they had built that capability. Uh, I mean, are we investing? Is are we investing enough in uh, in in growing engineers in this country?
1: I I, I couldn't tell you. Um, all, all I could say is that. Um we are getting some quality candidates from our universities. So we are not finding uh, it difficult to find at that graduate level uh, the candidates we need. Um, where it becomes a little more difficult and we have to look further abroad is where you're looking at that experienced engineering talent within manufacturing. Yeah? That's where we may have to import talent. But uh, hmm. what happens there is we import that talent and then they are used to train up the graduates that we're getting out of university. So thereby we're hoping to build up some of that talent here in, uh, here in Perth.
0: And I imagine that the, the COVID restrictions must be uh, impinging your ability to import talent. Is that, is that, is that impacting?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, impacting things take longer. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so we have to plan further in advance to make sure that when we need these additional uh, recruits uh, and employees that we have them in time. So it just means that you're starting to uh, plan, uh, uh, you know, more in advance than what we would have previously.
0: And and, uh, uh, Jason, would you add anything there in terms of... uh in, in terms of encouraging uh, manufacturing in Australia
2: yes the, the, the only thing that I can mention was uh, there's a lot of there's a big emphasis on mining and exploration in Australia especially being wa um, however we actually uh, we're a nation of inventors and innovators there's actually there's a lot of different interesting tech a lot of interesting um, ideas that that we see uh, that that don't always get picked up um, and to be able to diversify away from uh, digging stuff out of the ground is, is only going to be beneficial for Australia, but, the, but there's also a need for um, more funding in terms of private investment into the space and not to be so focused on the mining space.
0: I mean, you're the guy that raises capital. How do you coax someone to, uh, to stick their hard-earned into, into a manufacturing venture?
2: One of, the, one of the things that Malcolm Turnbull did was, was introduce an early-stage innovation company Tax ruling ethic which which was which 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 was quite interesting and a bit of a leap at the time. The fact that uh, the early tech plays can get a, a tax break, where investors get, a, well, I'm not a tax accountant, but my understanding is that you get a, a tax credit as well as um, no capital gains tax. Um, to encourage more investment into tech space uh, is, is 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 definitely a, a right step in the right in in the right way.
0: And do you find, I mean, to, to capital raise, it is, I guess, in some ways, I mean, is manufacturing seen as more speculative than mining? Perhaps.
2: <laughs> there are, uh look, it's got two ways to look at it. Um, you can either have two guys in a Ute with a metal detector and a shovel, and I reckon there's, there's there's a prospect over over there, or you can invest in something that is uh that could change that could change the world uh innovative and uh something like i guess wi- wi-fi um came from australia um that that is uh who who w- would have thought when everyone thinks that we just dig dig stuff out of the ground
0: yeah yeah, well, I mean, the, the orbital, uh, the, the, you know, the the, the wonderful things that, uh, that 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 orbital are doing. Same, you know, I think it is a it's a it's a hidden it's a hidden gem really in many respects. I said uh, before that you know the prime minister launched the defence strategic update twenty twenty, uh, and he had concerns that our region was becoming, and I'm reading here, more dangerous and more disorderly. Um, I mean, what what sort of opportunities do you think this is creating for Australian manufacturing, Todd?
1: Well, we had um, we had that paper released. We had, uh, I think it was as I was saying before, two hundred and seventy million as two hundred seventy billion to be spent in defence. Uh, they allocated two billion for unmanned systems. We've had uh, Senator Reynolds through the facility. Uh, we are encouraged with uh, Australia's commitment to the defence spending, and in particular, uh, carving out within that package uh, spending on. Uh, research and development and actual sort of uh, enhanced equipment in the unmanned system space. So well, we will support uh, and look to uh, participate as much as we can uh, in that program.
0: And Jason, is, is defence something that, that crosses your radar much?
2: It's it's something that we uh, need, need to see more of. We, um, we don't see enough of it. Um, unfortunately, in WA, there's only a handful.
0: I guess, you know, if the Prime Minister was watching this and, and uh, we're trying to restore, you know, manufacturing, what, what message would you have for the Prime Minister? I'll start with you, Jason.
2: The last Prime Minister did a good, good job of putting some uh, initiatives in, in place for tech businesses to get off the ground. Um,
0: let's do more. it. Todd?
2: Uh, as as i said before we need a
1: cohesive strategy yeah competitive advantage and or strategically important and yep. a great job uh, on the initiatives around uh, defense and uh, that we'll do what we can to uh, to support
0: and when you say cohesive what what, what 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 are the bits that need to glue together
1: so let's let's pick what we believe we are good at at competitive advantage let's pick what we think we need in in um if it's strategically important, let's clearly articulate and communicate that, and let's uh, stay for the course.
0: Yeah. So, do you, do you think then that, like, for in the uh, you know under the, the in the Hawke Keating era, you know, we had the Button Car Plan, for example. I mean, I think that they, they I mean, do we do we need that sort of coordination? Are you saying?
1: Well, I don't want to comment on the Button Car Plan. No, but, no, uh, no. Yeah. I, I can comment on the direction of the. Uh, Uh, the defence initiatives, and I think they're sound, and uh, we look forward, as I said before, to uh, supporting them where we can.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right, gents. Well, we are out of time, so uh, it's been a real privilege uh, to, to have you both on. Um, thank you very much uh, for, for, uh, for sharing your time and for sharing your insights. Um, thank you very much to everybody who's uh, watching us either live or if you're catching up with us later or listening to us uh, on your drive home. We look forward to, uh, to speaking with all of you uh, again, and uh, thank you once again. Cheers.
2: Thank you, Nick.